I'm excited. It's Christmas Eve. Anybody else excited? Yeah, yeah, some of you are, and others are like, ah, bah, humbug. It's okay. Hopefully, we'll bring you some hope tonight. I'm really grateful and honored to be with you tonight. You know, it's 2019 years since the birth of Jesus, the one who we date time after. His life is significant. No matter really what you think of him now, his life is significant to you. And I hope tonight you'll understand in a better and a deeper way why I say that his life is so incredibly significant. Having gone through the Advent season, we've talked about hope, faith, joy, and peace. And tonight, I have the honor of speaking to you about Christmas light. Would you be kind enough to join me as I pray for our time? Father, I thank you that you came to seek and save that which was lost. That you became incarnate, you became one of us, and you were born (laughs) through a poor teenage Hebrew girl. You took on flesh and you walked our sod. You robbed our sin and you made us holy. And we worship you tonight, Jesus. I ask, Lord, that you would use me. I acknowledge before you I have nothing to offer in and of myself, but I have you and you have everything. So I ask, Lord, that you would guide as only you can guide. I pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. So you need to pray for me. I only have 30 minutes tonight. I've been told I have 30 minutes. So if you want to set your timers now, you can give me a little ah when I get to the 30 minutes. Did you know that light is a major theme of the Bible? Did you know that? It's the Bible says that God is light, and in Him there is no darkness at all. Although it's a little dark up here, just so we can get this lighter up here so I can see my notes better. Maybe that's just what I'm used to. I don't know if I have any more. Um, and the Bible said the first act of creation, God said, let there be light. And there was light, and God saw that it was good. And Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So in a sense, if you want to get lit up in the very best possible way, Jesus Christ is your guy. I'm not talking about the worldly way of getting lit up. I'm talking about getting lit up in the Spirit of God. For what purpose did God send Jesus into the world? You know, the scripture proclaims that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness will never overcome it. That's a pretty incredible promise. I'm going to actually have us do a little responsive reading in way of starting tonight. For those of you who are the ancients, you've been in church for a long time, this will come easy to you. For those of us who aren't so accustomed to this, there's one part called the reading, that's my part, and another part called the response, that's your part. You read the response, I read the reading. You got it? So whose part is the reading? And whose part is the response? There you go. All right, great. So we're going to try and start from the very beginning here. This is from Isaiah 9, and I'll start, and then I'll point to you when it's your time. The people walking in darkness, listen, have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing plunder. Your part. Mm. The bar across their shoulders, the rod of their repressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. To us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders. 
And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatnesses of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal or the passion of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Praise be to God for his word. Tonight, we're going to talk about light. And you probably know this already, but light has two primary purposes. Even physical light has these purposes. The first one is to reveal things. When you turn on a light, stuff shows up. When you're in the dark, you can't see stuff. But when you turn the light on, you can see things. You know that dude that invented the light bulb? Thomas Edison. You know him, right? You know of him. You don't know him, but I mean like you know of him. Do you know what the first thing his wife said when he finally got the thing to work? He tried it hundreds and hundreds of times. He failed hundreds and hundreds of times. He finally gets the light bulb to go on. And you know what she says? Boy, is it dirty in here. <laughs> Why? Because when you turn lights on, candlelight, by the way, hostesses, hosts, you know this, you put on candlelight in your home, nobody can see the dirt. But you turn on a bright light, it shows up all the dirt. And so light shines in the darkness, and the darkness will not overcome it. Light reveals things. It shows things to us that we would not normally see. Now, that's physical light, but there is spiritual light. And that's kind of light we'll talk about tonight, is spiritual light. But light not only reveals, it heals. Um, doctors and scientists are studying this to a great extent, but they know that actually light has healing properties, it's vast. You know, we use lasers for surgery now. That's a very focused, intense light. And then we also know that not having light on our skins or on our bodies will cause certain vitamin deficiencies and, and create serious diseases. Even animals know this intuitively. A few days ago, we were um, in our house and we were looking for our dog, our remaining dog, Zoe. We lost a dog a few weeks ago, Switchfoot. But we have one remaining. Her name is Zoe. And Tracy said, where's Zoe? And we started looking for her, and she wasn't in her place at all. And then she went out backyard. She couldn't find her. And we thought, oh, my gosh, she's gotten out. And then Tracy called me. And we were calling for our dog, by the way. We were yelling for her. And she's stone deaf, so that doesn't make a lot of sense. But I guess it helped us to feel like we were making some connection in our search. And Tracy called me in the living room, and she said, look. And she pointed under the tree, and there was Zoe, all curled up under the Christmas tree. And she's sweet, isn't she? Do you ever know that your cat or your dog finds this like one little ray of light that's coming in the house and they'll lay down right in that light? You know, there's like an intuitive sense that they need light for life and for health. And they're going to find that light and they're going to lay under it. You see, my prayer for us this Christmas is that we would like choose the wisdom of Zoe and we would curl up in Christmas light. And we would allow Jesus to reveal things to us that we've never seen before or things that we need to see anew and that we would fall more deeply in love with him or maybe in love with him for the first time. You see, the light God talks about isn't necessarily physical light, but it's spiritual light. It's light that opens the eyes of your heart. Christmas light allows us to see spiritual realms that we would never see apart from Jesus Christ. God had a very specific purpose over 2,000 years ago for bringing his light into the world in the form of a baby. And he reveals and heals in three primary areas. And I want you to go with me here for a minute. The first one is this. He wants you to know what God is truly like. 
Because every single one of us have misconceptions about what God is truly like. So he sends his son into the world in the form of a child to grow up amongst us so we'll be able to look at Jesus and know what God is really like. Two, he wanted us to know our true condition. You see, um, light shines in God in some beautiful ways and shows us incredible things about God, but light shines on us too. And that sometimes can be difficult. And that light shining in the darkness wants to show us that God has a plan for our lives. So in a nutshell, I hope tonight that you would know how much Jesus Christ loves you and that you know that that love wants to shine light into your life to reveal his heart for you, but then also reveal your condition before him and for you to make a choice to walk with him. Now, just a simple question. How many of you, and by the way, I say this, letting you know up front, we are not going to ask you to do anything weird. How many of you, by show of hands, are new to Grace Fellowship Church? Can you show us just hands new? There's a few over there, a few over there, some over there. Can we give them a big warm welcome, please, from Grace Fellowship Church? We're so grateful you're here tonight. We really are. We had like record attendance at our last service, I think close to 1,200 people um, in here alone, and God is bringing more and more into the family of grace. And so if you're new to grace, welcome. If you're looking for a church home, we'd love to be, have you be part of the family here. So there's a way that you can connect out at the Connection Center and uh, always coming back on, on Sundays to join us. So the Bible claims if you don't know Jesus Christ, though, you're in the dark, I'm going to say that again. The Bible makes this astounding claim that if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you can't find your way around. You're stumbling around in the dark. I read a story on the internet this week. It was about a mom. Her name is Sandy McIntosh, and her kids were complaining about the mosquitoes. You see, it was in the middle of the summer, and the mosquitoes were getting in the house, and they were biting all the kids. So she didn't want to wake up everybody, so she left the lights out in the dark, and at night she went into the kids' room, and she sprayed all of her kids and sprayed all the rooms with insect repellent, and then she went to bed. The next morning, she discovered to her horror that she had covered the kids and the bedding and the walls of these rooms with blue spray paint. She said, it smelled kind of funny, but I really couldn't see what I was doing in the dark. Can you imagine being one of her children? <laughs> Waking up and meeting your brother at the bathroom door. What is all over your face, dude? <laughs> it's all over you too. <laughs> Mom hit us with blue spray paint. Problems happen when we can't see clearly. What a mess we can make when we're swinging at things in the dark. If you don't know Jesus Christ, you're in the dark. You're in the dark about the purpose of your life. You're in the dark about God. You're in the dark about your problems. You're in the dark about your future. You're in the dark and you're stumbling through life and you don't really see clearly unless you know the one who is called light of the world. How do you get to know God? It's simple. You know Jesus Christ. Jesus said, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. You know, Billy Graham said, whenever I want to know what God is like, I just take a good long look at Jesus. Jesus is God coming to earth in the form of one of us in deeply humble surroundings to a teenage Hebrew couple that's very poor, born in a stable among animals. And he comes in the most humble of ways. And the word for this in the Bible is Emmanuel, which means God with us. You know, Emmanuel doesn't mean just God with us. It means God is for us. Can you say this? God is with me. Say that. Say, God is for me. You see, and God wants to live in you. 
If you know Jesus Christ, that's what happens. It's a spiritual transaction. God comes and takes residence in your heart and in your mind, and he changes you from the inside out. You see, God came to show us what God is really like. Light reveals and light heals. It says here in Ephesians 5.13, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible. And in John 18.12, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You see, when Jesus came, he came because he wanted to show us what God is like. Listen to John 1.8. No one has ever seen God. The only one who is the same as God has made him known. That's referring to Jesus. It said, Jesus is the light to reveal God to the nations in Luke 2.32. And in John 14.9, anyone who has seen me, this is Jesus speaking, has seen the Father. That is an astounding claim. Nobody else on planet earth is walking around going, if you've seen me, you've seen God. Because I and the Father are one, he says. He makes these astounding claims about himself. At the time of Jesus, almost everybody was confused about what God was truly like. You see, the religious leaders had deep misconceptions about who God was and what he was like. Now, hear me very quickly. Jesus never came to institute a religion. He came to bring relationship and restore relationship between God and people. That's not a religion. Religion has to do with a bunch of rules and acting in a specific way in order to look good for God and others. In other words, it's following a script that's handed out to you. That's what religion is. And can I tell you something? Religious people are some of the most miserable people on the face of the planet. Anybody say amen to that? You know how I know? Because I've tried it. It makes me miserable. But when I turn to Jesus and I remember that he died to give me a relationship with the living God, that's a whole different thing. You see, this Jesus, this one born as a baby, he came to grow as a man, and he said some pretty tough things to those religious people. He said, you take one disciple, you make him twice as fit for hell as you are yourself. You want to tick off a religious person? You say stuff like that to them. He said, you whitewashed tombs, you brood of vipers, you hypocrites. He was really angry. You know why? Because they were supposed to know God. And all they knew was a bunch of rules. And they were heaping burdens on people's backs that they themselves could not bear. They had misconceptions about who God was. And his character was distorted to them. There's so many misconceptions today about who God is. If you listen to people, people talk all the time, I'd like to think about God like this, or I'd like to think God's like this. It doesn't matter what any one of us think about God. You know what matters is what God says about God. And God's word is clear about what he's like. Listen very carefully. Misconceptions about God will cause you more unnecessary pain in your life than anything else. If you buy into lies about God's character, it will cause you to feel fear, worry, and you will fight for self-preservation. You will attempt to be God, or you will actually give yourself over to something or someone else for them to be God for you. And these are both horribly ineffective ways to live our lives. This kind of thing only happens when we walk around in the darkness. But Jesus came to make God known. And if you want to know what God looks like, Look at the person of Jesus. 
Jesus said, this is why I was born and I came into the world to tell people the truth. No one has seen the God. The only one who is the same as God has made him known. Jesus is the light to reveal God to the nations. You see, Jesus truly reveals what God is like. And in doing so, he busts up our misunderstandings. Maybe you're believing that God is a God of impossible expectations. Maybe that's why you're so hurried all the time. Maybe you believe that God is an emotionally distant God. Maybe that's why you feel so lonely a lot. Maybe you feel that God is an abusive God. Maybe that's why you feel so scared and fearful a lot. Maybe you believe God is unreliable. Or maybe you feel that God has abandoned you. Or maybe you think that God withholds good things from you rather than being a God who provides. Maybe you think God is too weak rather than being strong. And therefore, you don't have much hope in your finances or in your marriage or in your life in general. Maybe you think God is a sugar daddy how many of you have ever been around an old doddering man who loves to give lollipops to little children? Anybody? I think some of us think that God's like that. He's just this old doddering guy that'll give us a lollipop and send us on our way. And can I tell you something? God is Lord. He's the boss of the universe. He's not someone who's just going to give you your way. Why? Because he knows your way is not what's best for you. He loves you. I don't know what distortions of God that you might be buying into, but I can tell you this. You have them. We all have them. I have them. Even in preparation for this message, I felt like I was encountering the God of impossible expectations. As a pastor, can I tell you one of the most pressurized messages to give is Christmas Eve? Why? They tell you you only have 30 minutes. And you know, expectations are high, and then you come out, and you got this drummer boy rocking thing, and you're like, oh, this is freaking awesome. And you think somehow what you have to say has to be awesome too. And can I tell you something? I trust God in my identity with him. He loves me no matter what I say. My identity is not based on what I do, but it's based on who I am now. I serve a God of amazing grace and unfathomable love. And I'm his child. He hung on a cross for me. And in doing so, he gave me a new identity. A new identity that is not based on what I do. It's not based on what I don't do. It's based on his love for me. I am deeply loved. I'm fully pleasing. I'm totally forgiven. And I'm completely accepted by the grace and blood of Jesus Christ. This child born unto us. I'm a child of the most high God. And nothing you can say or do can ever change that. You see, that kind of revelation God has given to me and the kind of healing he has done in me and he can do it for you too. Listen to the word of God. For I am convinced that neither life nor death nor angels nor demons nor present nor future than anything in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you let him shine his light into your life, you can know this love too. Jesus came to show us what God is truly like, that God is love, but he also came to show us what we're truly like. Now listen, you gotta hold on to what I just said, because this truth that's coming is hard. And I gotta be honest with you, a lot of us love when God shines his light onto parts of his personality that we love. You see, we love to talk about God's love because God is love, and, and that's a beautiful thing to talk about. No question about it, but God is holy. And guess what? We're not. You see, God loves you, and he wants more for you than you want for yourself. And truth be told, sometimes revealing and healing can be very difficult. I mean really hard 
Why? Because we don't like when God shines his light into dark closets of our souls and starts poking around looking for smelly stuff. How many of you have smelly stuff in your souls? All right, now if you didn't raise your hand, keep coming back. (laughs) Keep coming back. Eventually you'll find out that you have some stuff that you need to work on. It's called sin. Now, let me ask you a question. If you went to a doctor for an how many of you have been to a doctor? Hopefully that's everybody in here. If you went to a doctor for an examination, and you actually, and he found something, or she found something that was wrong with you, how many of you want your doctor to lie to you and not tell you you have a problem? Anybody? Maybe one in the back. You don't want him to lie to you. Why? Because you hope your doctor is acting in your best interest, and your doctor tells you, look, we found something There's something that we need to address. And that may be hard truth for you to hear, but you don't want the doctor to lie to you about your condition. Do you know that Jesus is called the light of the world, but he's also called the great physician? Do you know he shows our true condition to us, and he shows us what's true, that we are broken. Listen, for Christmas to have meaning, you have to look at the cross. The two cannot be separated. The angel said at the birth of Jesus, he shall save people from their sins. And Jesus, speaking about his own death, said, to this end I was born. He was the only person born in history for the sole purpose of dying on a cross for the sins of mankind. And the apostle Paul says years later, Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. The central message of Christmas is that Jesus Christ, by his death and resurrection, can transform your life. Almost everyone at one time or another feels moral guilt and failure. It's like the little boy who said once, I guess I was born wrong. Every newspaper or magazine, every news show and internet feed, we see pictures of lust, hate, greed, prejudice, and corruption manifesting themselves in a thousand ways. You don't have to look any farther than our Congress and our Senate. Anybody say amen to that? The fact that we have policemen in jails and military forces indicates that there's something wrong. Did you ever realize that when you walk outside of your door, the birds in your yard fly away? There's something wrong. It was never intended to be that way. Something is radically wrong with human nature. Every time you head into the airport, they make sure that you walk through those scanners to search you. Why? There's something wrong. We ask ourselves, what's wrong? We can't solve our own problems. We can't bring peace to our world. This Prince of Peace is supposed to bring. You see, man is a paradox. On one hand, there is futility and sin. On the other hand, there's goodness and kindness and generosity and love. On the one hand, we are moral failures. And on the other, we have the capacities to relate to God Almighty himself. No wonder the Apostle Paul calls this moral failure the mystery of iniquity. The Bible teaches that the human race is morally sick. The disease has affected every single one of us in every phase of our life and our society. The Bible calls this disease by an ugly three-letter word, sin. And this word is greatly offensive to the world around us. Dr. Carl Menninger wrote a book. He's a scientist, wrote a book called Whatever Became of Sin. It's only by God's grace that a modern scientist would actually know there's something wrong with us and that that something is sin as the Bible describes it. It used to be a song that we would sing in the church. Some of the old timers know it. It's called, There's Power in the Blood. Anybody know that song? 
The Bible teaches that the only cure for our sin is the blood of Jesus Christ shed on the cross. The word blood symbolizes life and a life that has been given. Jesus Christ was and is the Lamb of God whose blood was shed and who died on the cross for our sins. The cross and the resurrection stand today as mankind's only hope. It was on Good Friday and Easter that God did for mankind what we could never do for ourselves. And through these momentous events, God is saying to each and every one of us, I love you. I love you so much that I'm willing to actually become one of you, be born in humble situations as a baby, grow to be a man, and die on a cross so that you can come home to me. He says that every single one of your sins, your past, your present, and your future sins have been forgiven on the cross if you'll just receive the invitation that God offers you. You see, this is good news at Christmas time. It's good news every day. You know that light travels at a breakneck speed of 186,000 miles per second. You want to check to see how, how fast light is? Try and open your refrigerator door before the light goes on. Little joke. Can I tell you there's something that's faster, something faster in the universe than the speed of light? It's the grace of God. Can I tell you that when one soul repents, when one person cries out to God and says, I need you in my life, Jesus, can I tell you that he is faster than the speed of light? And can I tell you that he responds to everybody who asks him to come in and make their heart his home? I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that tonight. You see, God did this part by giving of himself in a manger, and then he gave himself on a cross. This is the greatest Christmas gift that we could ever receive. But we must do something. We must humble ourselves and we must bow down to his majesty. You see, he's king. And we have to surrender ourselves to him and we have to admit we're sinners in need of a savior. We must admit that left to ourselves, we are moral failures. And then we must trust him and turn to him by faith. We must do what the publican did and say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. The scripture says, a broken and contrite heart, God will not despise. If we as individuals and as families and communities turn ourselves to God and away from our sins, God promises forgiveness, healing, and eternal life. Now look, some of you here tonight dismiss this message as idiotic. You think it's ridiculous that a man dying over 2,000 years ago could be relevant today. Can I tell you the Apostle Paul anticipated that some of you would say that very thing. He said that the proclamation of the cross is foolishness and nonsense to those who are perishing within this world in its present form. But to those of us who are being saved from our sin debt, it is nothing less than the power of God Almighty. We do not need to look very far to realize that we are in deep spiritual trouble. And there's only one who can forgive us our sins and reverse the negative trajectory of our lives. We must reorder our steps and reorder our priorities if we want to see God's kingdom come, his will be done in our lives as it is in heaven. But most of all, we need to see changes in our hearts and in the hearts of others. This is why Jesus Christ said we must be born again. You see, we have to start anew with him. The apostle Paul said in his famous Mars Hill sermon, God calls all men and women everywhere to repent. And he has appointed a day in which he will judge the world. Well, who should repent? Every single one of us. But Jeff, I'm not an axe murderer. I'm not an adulterer. Look, if you don't think you're a sinner, just keep coming back. And by the way, I would encourage you to open the book. You know the good book, the Bible? 
There's lots of these copies all over the place. We have more access than we've ever had before. I'm going to guarantee you, if you don't think you're a sinner, you read 1 Corinthians 13. Read that chapter and come back and tell me you're not a sinner. You know why? Because that says love is patient. Love is kind. Anybody checked out yet? Love doesn't keep it a record of wrongs. Is there anybody in here that has never kept a record of wrongs? Love is not boastful, it's not proud, it's not rude, it's not arrogant. Anybody standing? Read Colossians 3. You see, the word is called sharper than any double-edged sword. It divides joint and marrow. It reveals your need for a savior. If you start reading the word, I guarantee you, if you pray, God will speak to you. Repentance is what is called for. And the heart of the Christmas message is simple. Repent or die. How many of you have ever seen that on a Hallmark card? Anybody? You imagine going to a Christmas party? <laughs> Granny, I got you a card. <laughs> Here it is. Oh, repent or die, honey. How beautiful. Who needs to be forgiven? Those who are guilty. Who needs to be healed? Those who are wounded. Who needs to be delivered? Only the enslaved. Who needs a savior? Only the lost. Who needs a Lord? Only those who have given up on the illusion of control. Who needs the light of the world? Only those who know they've been walking in darkness. Only those who have been wrecked need to be restored. You see, Christianity is for a faith. It's a faith for people who have come to the end of themselves. Have you come to the end of yourself yet? Are you still thinking you can work this thing out? How many times will you try the same thing over and over again expecting different results? I know, folks, I've been there. When something doesn't work, we just kind of keep doing it. Are you ready to surrender yourself to God? And if you already have, are you willing to do it all over again? Many of you don't know this, but I was trained as a junior lifeguard. It means absolutely nothing. They don't let you save people. They don't even let you like get in the pool with people. But it was training to be like what they called a senior lifeguard, and that's where you got to actually like, do your thing. But you know, I never was, like, had the opportunity to like, even work as a lifeguard, but they taught me one thing, and you've got to listen very carefully to this. You can't save someone as long as they're attempting to save themselves. You know why? Because what happens is when people are attempting to save themselves, they're working very hard and they're kicking and screaming and flailing with their legs. And if you get in there, you can allow them to hook onto you and drag you down with them. There's two things that you're supposed to do as a lifeguard if someone is in that situation. You're to swim out and you're to remain a distance for them and you're to allow them to wear themselves out. And once they've worn themselves out and they start to go under, that's when you can swim in because they have no strength left to fight you. Then you can grab them and pull them to the shore. The other thing that you can do is actually work your way in, throw an elbow, and knock them out. And then you can drag them unconsciously back to shore. Can I tell you, God has done both for me. He's allowed me to wear myself out and he's taken and socked me in the head really hard to knock me out so he could drag me back home once again. Why? Because he loves me. He loves me. He loves me enough to tell me I'm wrong. And every single one of us is wrong. God has a thousand ways to humble us. And some of you are sitting here tonight and you have a secret sin in your life. I know. I used to have them. 
I used to have them. I used to hide things from people and trying to hide them from God. And I used to, was afraid to get honest about the true state of my soul. You see, I was a lust addict. I was an alcoholic. I had a piece of porn in one hand and a beer in another. And that's who I was. I was lost and I was living in darkness. And can I tell you the gospel message is so beautiful that it allows us to be honest about the true state of our soul before God. Why? Because he has forgiven us every sin. Every sin has been wiped out. Though your sins were red as crimson, you are now white as snow. I'm no longer identified by my sin. I'm identified as a child of God. You know why I can tell you about this? Because you can't hurt me with it anymore. I know Jesus Christ. I know I'm busted. I know I'm a sinner. But I know this, I'm saved by the grace of God. I belong to him. He brought me home. And he's calling you home too. We played games as a kid. We used to run all around our neighborhoods. Anybody run all around their neighborhoods as a kid? Where have those days gone, huh? I'll tell you, we used to run miles from our house when we were like eight and 10 years old. I don't know what our parents were thinking. They're like, be home by dinner. You go. And we'd mobilize and get ourselves into trouble at times. We'd play some really cool games. One of those games was kick the can. Anybody play kick the can? How about manhunt? Anybody play that one? Awesome. You got a manhunt? Let's play some. Let's get together, dude. But you know what we'd do? We'd be running, running, running. And we'd be running from each other, and we didn't want to get caught. And there was this adrenaline rush, and you were afraid. You didn't want to get caught. You were afraid your team would be captured. And so, you know, you could run and kick the can, but you had to keep running, and you had to keep running, and keep running, and keep running, and keep running, and keep hiding, keep hiding, keep hiding, because you didn't want to get caught. And then you would hear these words, Ali, Ali, oxen free. Remember those words? Ali, Ali, oxen free. You know what they meant? It was safe to come home. Didn't have to hide anymore. There was no risk in being caught. It was over. The game was over. Folks, when Jesus Christ said, it is finished, he said, the game's over. It's safe for you to come home now. You don't have to get your act together for God. He never expected that from you. He wants you to come home to him. So I'm going to ask you tonight to think about that. As Jesus said, I didn't come for the healthy, but for the sick. He wasn't saying anybody was healthy. What he was saying is that only some people knew they were in need of a Savior. Maybe, by God's grace tonight, you're sitting here, and you're sensing the Spirit of God prompting you, and you know you need a relationship with God. Can I encourage you to make tonight the best night of your life? Would you make a decision for Jesus tonight? See, Jesus shows us our true condition, but he also came to show us his plan for our lives. You know, easily as a pastor, the most common question I get is, what am I supposed to do? Pastor, what am I supposed to do? You know, I can tell you that Jesus does not leave us in the dark about the way that we are to live our lives. Listen to Proverbs 14, 12. There is a way that appears right, but in the end, it leads to death. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Can I tell you this way, this path that we're talking about is not so much an actual path, but it's a person and his name is Jesus. It says in Ephesians 5, his unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. And now we rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God, all because of what the Lord Jesus Christ has done in making us friends with God. Are you a friend of God? The only way that you can become friends with God 
is through Jesus Christ. You know, I've been reading a book. It's written as a thousand compilations of stories of people that had near-death experiences. And these experiences can be lined up with Scripture, and we see all these commonality between people who actually tell their stories about encountering Jesus Christ as this incredible light when they die. And what they have in common is that they're asked to give an account of their lives. Jesus says, what did you do with your life? Did you love people the way I loved you? Did you forgive people the way that I forgave you? Did you, let the sh- you shine the light of my love to those that are close and to far around you? Listen to the word of God. For Christ's love compels us because we were convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. I implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled with God. God made him, Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I'm going to ask us together to bow our heads as the worship team comes back out. And I'm going to ask you, if you're here tonight, and you have a relationship with Jesus, I'd like you to pray right now for the people in the room that don't. And if you're here tonight, and God has brought you here, and You don't really even know how you got here. Can I tell you, you go nowhere by accident. God brought you here on purpose. And I'm going to ask in the quietness of your own heart that you would repeat these words after me. You don't even have to use my words. You can use your own words. God knows your heart. And if you're ready and to be done with your way of living and you want to give your life over to the one who is the light of the world, to let him show you what God is truly like, to let him show you what your heart is like and how you need to grow in him and to give you purpose for life. I'm going to ask you to come home to him tonight and to say this simple prayer after me. Lord Jesus Christ, I confess to you that I am a sinner desperately in need of a Savior. God, as best as I know how, I'm asking you to come into my heart and make my heart your home. I receive your death on the cross as payment in full for my sin. Make me the person you created me to be when you first knit me together. I pray this all in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now look, if you just said that prayer and you really meant it in your heart, I can tell you, faster than the speed of life, you were saved. God brought you into his family. He brought you home and you're going to be with him forever in eternity. Can we just applaud those that might have said that prayer? See, God calls us to be lights after him. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand that gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light so shine before others that they might see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You were given a candle when you came in tonight. You can take that out now. 
Now, just a little lesson on candles. You hold them like this. You don't hold them like this. If you have a small child, please hold the candle with the child, and that way they won't be tempted to do that with the candle, okay? What we're going to do is we're going to allow the ushers to light candles, and we're going to see this light spread across the auditorium. It's symbolic. This is symbolic of the light of Christ in you. And what happens is that God continues to build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He continues to add members to his family every day. He's calling more and more to be part of his revolution of light. And so as we pass the light here today, that's symbolic of that. And we're going to sing a Christmas carol together and then we're going to hold our lights high to see how great the light is. Father, thank you that you have called us to be your light. We ask, Lord, now that you would use this symbol to draw us deeply into your presence and help us understand what you're doing this Christmas in every day and every moment as you would continue to invite more and more into your family of light. We pray this all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.